I'm Trey Briggs, and this is Call Center Confidential. Hello, and welcome back to Call Center Confidential, the podcast that is a conversation about conversations. My name is Trey Briggs, president of BCI, found at bci-fit.com. Hope you're doing well today, and today's episode will have a bit of an international flair to it, because today it is the first episode of Call Center Confidential recorded outside of the U.S., Yes, I am recording today from beautiful Barichara, Colombia, a fantastic colonial-era village founded in 1705 and a declared UNESCO World Heritage Site. Now, you may be hearing some background noise, and that is because in Barichara, (laughs) the weather is perfect year-round, so it's like an open living type of situation. So, right now, I'm hearing some noises from the streets, motorcycles, church bells, church singing, a lot going on over here in Barichara. If you're interested, it is spelled B-A-R-I-C-H-A-R-A, and it is gorgeous. I'm here for my uh, nephew's wedding, as my sister and brother-in-law live here, and I can say that my nephew is one lucky man whom I am very proud of. Barichara is remote. It's a three-hour drive along a precarious several-thousand-foot drop road (laughs) on a cliff from the closest large city, which is Bucaramanga. It is nestled way up in the Andes mountain range. It's called the prettiest town in Colombia for good reason. And being here is amazing. It's kind of like taking a step back in time. It's really something else, and uh, Colombia is a beautiful country. So, today, I am going to answer more questions from listeners, so let's just get right into it, shall we? The first question comes from Charlene, director, and Charlene says, I have an agent whose tone lacks niceness and warmth, and he needs to be more polite. (laughs) When my managers coach him on it, he improves a little bit, but then quickly falls back to his original ways. What do you do with such an agent? Okay, that's a great question, Charlene. And the first thing to consider when dealing with any agent whose tone is less than desirable is that you cannot simply coach them to success. You cannot simply implore them to improve or point out where their tone needs to improve. For example, tell them uh, you know, that they need to be more polite and expect them to fix the problem. Much like life itself, it is not that simple. But I just described what most coaching looks like, which is why most coaching has limited success, as exhibited by your agent's tone constantly sliding back to where it began, despite your manager's best coaching efforts. When an agent's tone lacks niceness, warmth, and politeness, for example, it is always due, 100% of the time, to clear, specific, and easily identifiable bad habits in their word choice and phone manners. These habits define how they do what they do. These flaws in their word choice and phone manners, which are habits, meaning they do them in every call, must be corrected. Otherwise, their tone will continue to suffer 
because these bad habits directly cause the agent's tone issues. An agent's tone is mainly created and dictated by their word choice and phone manners. So you can implore them to improve all you want, but if you do not identify and fix the flaws in their word choice and phone manners, their tone issues will not go away. In other words, you must make changes in their words and manners. (laughs) There's no way to get around this fact, which applies to every call center agent worldwide. Sounds like these kids are having a good time out there. I'm not sure what they're doing, but it's great to hear they're having a blast. (laughs) If I or my staff members were to listen to your agent, Charlene, we would know before getting started precisely which flaws we are looking for because every agent whose tone lacks niceness, warmth, and politeness exhibits some mix of the same specific flaws. They are predictable. We would immediately identify each of your agent's flaws show him how he executes the same flaws in every call he handles, and teach him how to correct each flawed habit. With our proprietary quality assurance, or QA, process, which actually does assure quality, (laughs) typically not the case with quality assurance in our industry, which is pretty ironic, we would hold him accountable for keeping his flaws fixed so that he no longer displays them. The result would be that his tone would no longer lack niceness, warmth, and politeness. This is because the flaws in his word choice and phone manners that were the direct cause of his issues will have been eliminated from his habits and thus his performance on the phone. Okay, we're back. And the next question, which relates to Charlene's, is from Tracy. And Tracy asks, You said that the measurement parameters of standard QA, and those parameters are 1 through 10 scoring, yes, no, and non-applicable scoring, checklist scorecards, and putting a percentage score on a vaguely defined emotion or feeling, like 78% on warmth. You say that the measurement parameters of standard QA only measure and include no training. And this is why they are ineffective. But my managers provide coaching based on our agent's QA scores. And isn't that the same as training? That's a great question, Tracy. And, you know, the only point of coaching is to fix an agent's weaknesses regarding their courtesy, tone, and professionalism, which are the primary components of the quality of their customer service performance. There would be no need for coaching if there were no weaknesses in these components. Very simple. As I said previously, these weaknesses are found in the flaws in an agent's word choice and phone manners. So any coaching process that aspires to fix an agent's weaknesses must be able first to identify them in an agent's word choice and phone manners and then teach the agent how to fix them. Otherwise, the flaws will remain and the coaching will have a limited effect as exhibited by Charlene's agent constantly sliding back to where he began, even after getting coached repeatedly. This is why, despite widespread dependence on coaching as a training solution, our industry continues to suffer from widespread low customer satisfaction issues year after year with no end in sight. This commonly used coaching approach is not working. (laughs) Otherwise, everyone would use this approach, as many currently do, 
and there would be no widespread low customer satisfaction problem. And to answer your question, Tracy, no, coaching is not training. Coaching is only the lesser of two parts of the training or performance management process, which is to say that coaching is giving direction only. Coaching does not hold agents accountable for adherence to the direction given, which is necessary because agents, especially the lower performing ones that training is most focused on, typically will only follow the coaching directions if held accountable, meaning they must be made to do it, otherwise they will not. This accountability component is the actual training because it determines whether they follow directions. And it is the QA measurement process's role to ensure agents follow directions. The QA measurement parameters are the only thing that can make that happen. The problem with standard QA is that its measurement parameters, which I mentioned a moment ago in Tracy's question, cannot measure word choice and phone manners in a detailed manner required to eliminate an agent's flaws in their courtesy, tone, and professionalism leaving significant flaws in their performance that causes them to deliver subpar customer service, which leads to the undesirable level of customer satisfaction that defines a significant part of our industry today. From a different perspective, consider that our clients' managers do no coaching. They leave that to us, and we do minimal coaching, though I am happy to do any coaching at any time. But our proprietary QA process teaches agents to deliver perfect word choice and phone manners, and it holds them accountable for delivering it at every moment as they perform in every call they handle. This is training, not coaching. Our clients' agents are perfectly well-spoken and well-mannered, delivering to patients and customers only the highest standard of customer service, meaning they typically have no weaknesses negating the need for coaching, except in very occasional cases. Okay, we're back. And the next question, as the kids outsiders seem to be having a blast... (laughs) I don't know if you can hear on the recording, but I sure can. (laughs) The next question comes from Haruki, call center manager in Tokyo, Japan. And Haruki asks, with our QA process, some of my QA managers score slightly differently than others, and my agents are complaining. What would you suggest? Well, Haruki, that's a great question. And the short answer is to divide your agents into groups and assign each QA manager to a particular group. For example, Kenji gets Group A, Sakura gets Group B, and Hiroshi gets Group C. This way, the agents experience the same QA manager scoring approach rather than having different managers scoring them at different times, creating more scoring consistency. By the way, this was our first international listener to post a question here on Call Center Confidential, and I really do appreciate it. And please, I encourage more of those. We have a huge amount of international followers. But if you would indulge me, please, I have two backstories regarding Japan. The first one goes like this. When I began my training career, the company I worked with was the first and only call center training company. The owner, who was my mentor for many years, 
invented the entire concept of doing a company or vendor doing that. Well, I quickly rose to number two in the company. And I guess it didn't hurt that the owner had become my girlfriend. <laughs> so, but in one day, one day we were approached by Mandarin Oriental Hotels, a five-star hotel brand with call centers in Singapore, Sydney, Hong Kong, Stockholm, and Tokyo. This was in 1994 when the internet was in its infancy, by the way. Well, they asked if we could conduct our training program for their Tokyo call center, Haruki, in Japanese. And after much fighting between my girlfriend and me, I convinced her to let me try to do it. Well, I found a man named Utaka Usui in Washington, D.C., and we worked together and pulled it off perfectly. The program, conducted wholly in Japanese, was a success. By the way, that's where I learned that yes in Japanese is high. Hype. I heard a lot of hype in the calls. I was proud of that project. We serve their other international call centers too. It propelled our company to the cutting edge of training expertise. And from then on, we could conduct our program in any language if we had access to a person who spoke that language. We currently do Spanish, as an example. Another Tokyo sidebar is the story of my granduncle, Don Briggs. The story goes that Don left the Briggs family at 15 years old, never to be seen again. We later learned, right before he died, that he joined the Marines and fought in World War II in the Pacific. After the war, he did not return to the U.S. Rather, he stayed in Tokyo, where he married a Japanese woman for 26 years and spent much of the rest of his life. At that time, soon after that began, I suppose, Don Briggs became the world's premier travel writer for what was then, in the 50s and 60s, called the Orient, and what is now better referred to as Asia. So if someone took a flight from the West Coast United States to Tokyo on Japan Airlines back then, each passenger was given Don's book, which explained in English how to navigate Tokyo and Japanese culture. The book was also given to guests who stayed at many of Tokyo's luxury hotels. I actually found the book online. It's excellent. At any rate, back to Haruki's question. You know, I keep a close eye on narratives espoused by today's call center industry pundits and experts, which now include software salespersons who often have no call center background, strangely enough. Well, one of the subjects often brought up is what is referred to as the agent experience, which is what your question pertains to, Haruki. Any QA program or approach must make the agent's feelings or their experience its number one priority. If the agents do not believe in the QA process for any reason, that QA process is done because they will not take the process seriously. This is a fact that today's pundits and experts rarely consider or mention. Still, one consultant has touched upon this subject in a manner that aligns with my thoughts, and I have read a couple of essential points she made based on her experience that relates to agents' feelings toward QA. The first is how call center managers will tell agents to shave a few seconds off their calls only because they have invested in software that measures talk and other time issues and for no other reason, such as reasons based on logic, practicality, and what is best for the patient or customer, the agent, and the quality of the call center's product. <laughs> agents know such things are kind of a joke. It is horrible for their morale and things like this lead directly to increased agent turnover. Another example she cited was digitally created screen pop-ups designed to appear on an agent's screen mid-call to guide them through specific emotional situations, 
providing scripted empathy statements. She rightly called this an impractical gimmick that agents would never take seriously. However, a common weakness of QA programs is a lack of accuracy or consistency in scoring, which causes agents to lose faith in the program. The program becomes a wink-wink situation whereby everyone knows the process is fatally flawed, but goes along with the game, rendering the QA program ineffective. This is the type of thing Haruki may be facing, and this may be what his question was all about. When I hear pundits and experts talk about putting together a QA program, I am always struck by how casually such talk is thrown around, as if putting together an effective QA program is a simple and easy task that anyone can do. Just create a checklist, put any manager in charge, and go. (laughs) The truth is that just as Haruki is experiencing, there are countless pitfalls, any one of which renders a QA program ineffective. Okay, we're back, and I would like to thank you today for listening to Call Center Confidential, the podcast that is a conversation about conversations. Call Center Confidential is not only international now, (laughs) from Bodichada, Colombia, but it's interactive. So if you would like to leave a question, post a comment, perhaps play Stump the Expert, all you got to do is go to our website. It's at www.bci-fit.com. Look to the little blue icon at the bottom right, click it, enter your message. You don't have to tell us who you are, and I might just address it in an upcoming episode. Thank you once again, but please do not tell anyone, anyone in the world about this podcast. It's confidential. (laughs) I'll see you next time. Call Center Confidential is a production of BCI. It is produced by Daniel Tucci, music by Julian Bell, Mixing Bright Future Studios. Mm-hmm.